You're listening to The Boss Business of Surgery series, episode 120. Have you noticed how stressful our jobs are? If you have, you're probably doing something that you don't want. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Heather Awad. She is going to share with us some of her strategies for if you are a stress eater. And if you find yourself in a terrible job, come join me and Amanda Hill, healthcare lawyer, in the 90-day notice. We talk about all the strategies you need to know to leave the job that is not right for you and find the job you really want. Go to 90daynotice.com. Welcome surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we needed to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. This is Dr. Heather Awad. She is known as the Vibrant MD. She is going to tell us all about stress eating. And trust me, I am going to be like leaning close to the screen to hear more. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get started on this, Dr. Awad, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Sure. I'm a family medicine trained doctor and certified coach, and I work with women at midlife and beyond to help them lose weight for the last time. You know, I personally was just fine with my weight until somewhere in my mid forties. And then with no change in my fairly healthy eating style, I just watched the numbers on the scale go up and up. And then eventually I kept trying things that didn't do, didn't work at all. And then eventually I got to a really unhealthy range and I got worried. So I dove into the research and found out about insulin resistance at this age, which is a normal thing that happens. And then I got some coaching as well to get accountability, learn how to put myself first sometimes, all the things that really make weight loss easier. So that's why I do this work now. Yeah. And I've actually been doing a lot of this work too, being someone in my forties and starting to see these nonsensical things happen. It's so timely because yesterday I have kept track of my weight since 2011 under my fitness pal. And Hmm. I was like, I can track the pregnancies. I can track my deployments. I can track all those things. I was like, what is this nonsense that's now happening? (laughs) Right. It's just a natural hormonal thing that happens and you're starting to get a new body and it's different. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And, um, and I just actually posted this in the group today, which was I'm doing the, the body work myself of just my mindset of like, how do I feel about the idea of bodies changing and things like that. And, and there's that petulant child in me this, I don't want to, I don't want to track what I do. I don't want to watch it. And I can actually even hear the whininess in my voice as I say it. <laughs> and I, it reminds me too of a practical thing is this is what our patients are doing too. Our patients are coming in saying, but I've smoked all my life and I haven't had a problem. Why is this a problem? We all know that these things have a predictable behavior in these things. So like your body changing as part of aging is one of them. Given that framework that sadly it is going to happen to all of us, mm-hmm. do you where do you start with someone? And I think that your idea first, the stressful eating is a really great place to start when we talk about surgeons and other, all doctors, that stress eating is a reality for a lot of us. And there's that whole thing that I remember my senior resident teaching me, see food, eat food. You don't know when you'll get it again. (laughs) And it just plays into then you're having a bad day and there's food. And so you should eat it. And it's just super common. There are, there have been times in culture where it wasn't 
acceptable to eat all the time, but we live in a time now where it is acceptable to eat all the time. And I get stories from my clients too, that there's cake in the break room every day. There are donuts in the break room every day. There's always these things around. And so that makes it even more challenging because it's always there. And then we've been taught some lies by well-meaning dietitians that when everyone was eating too many snacks, they said, let's just tell everyone to eat healthy snacks. And our bodies are not meant to eat all day long. So it's it becomes a challenge. And then we throw in our feelings. And we all think that eating our feelings is Bridget Jones on the couch after a breakup with a big tub of ice cream. But when we're thinking, oh my gosh, I have too much to get done at the end of the day. And then I got to go do the other thing tonight. That is also when we decide to devour a bag of nuts, but that is still emotional eating. So the stress eating is eating for emotions. And I know you're absolutely right. It's everywhere. And a lot of these foods that have been processed to have some sort of reaction to it, we get a dopamine surge from the cake and we do get some reward and we do get good feelings when we're eating around collectively with people as a group. And if we don't participate in this, we're now identified as other or you know, isolated from the, the, the clan here who's now participating in this. It's so <laughs> easy to fall into this trap of the, the dopamine reward system. So how do you work through someone who has like cake at the office all the time and the food pushers and all the things like that? What is the best way for someone to approach when they're in that situation? The best way is to think about it outside of the moment and think, I, I had someone who was just feeling very sad and resentful that these other people could eat cake all the time and they and she could not. And I said, let me just ask you in a very neutral way, do you want to eat cake every day at work? And she said, actually, no, that wouldn't be good for me. I, I'm 50 and I don't want to get diabetes. And so no, looking at it outside of the moment, she decided for herself that she actually did not want to eat cake every day. And so we talked about how often do you want to eat cake if it's there every day? And then making a choice and agency rather than just being like, it's in there and I'm going to resent if I can't have it, if I have decided not to have it, or I'm going to just give in and eat it and be upset about the consequences. Just choose outside of the moment when you're standing there smelling the cake when do you want to have this? How often do you want to have this? So when you go in, you can say, not for me today. And and then it feels really easy. Yeah. This was mind blowing to me when I heard this is like, when you see something that triggers something in your reward system, it, it, two things to keep in mind. One is it, that neuron firing is only about 90 seconds. So it fires, it fades away 90 seconds. So if you can get past that urge for 90 seconds, you'd be surprised at, uh, at how it fades. And I found this to be true because like we'd have candy in the office and I get busy. I grab it and I thought, oh, got to go in the room and I'll stick it in my pocket. I will like legit forget ever had it. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving, I was like, did I even have that? I'll find it in my pocket later. So I start to realize that that's actually true. It felt so strong. That urge, that urgency felt really strong in the moment, but it immediately it, it faded away. And the more I heard about that, the more I saw the evidence of it. And I realized that that all I had to do is distract myself from it and it will fade. I may not even remember whether I had stuff or not. 
And that led to the, another thing that I read about, which is that neuron firing happens before you're even conscious of it. So you mm. see the cake, you already have your hand reaching for it before you're even consciously aware that your hand is reaching for this cake <laughs> and realizing that, that we have to be armed before we see a cake, you know, exactly what you're describing, planning ahead of this. And I heard this really great phrase that I forgot exactly who it was. It was one of Corinne Crabtree's coaches. Mm-hmm. She said, not on my plan, not in my mouth, not on my ass. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> so she dealt with the food pushers. Oh, I think it was a podcast on, on food pushers. Um, yeah. And so she, you know, basically said that as a mantra and made that automatic. So had that in place before the interaction occurred. Yeah, that helps. But I love what you say about when you get surprised, because sometimes you walk around the corner and someone's standing there with a a tray of donuts. And just allowing that because you know that your brain is going to be like, yay, sugar, and reach for it, that you can stop and just say, I'm going to feel uncomfortable. And here I am, I'm going to feel it right now. And you can watch it just fade out, which is super interesting. And then you notice, I'm not going to die from this feeling and it didn't even last that long, but just be willing to feel that uncomfortable feeling when it surprises you. Um, And, but I'm a big fan of mantras too. I, my personal one is that's not for me. That's not for me. That's not for me um, because I can pull it out easily uh, when I see something that I wasn't going to have that day. Yes. And I also remember hearing about like the the culture phenomena or the the group phenomena of like when someone offers you cake that you don't actually have to eat it, where it feels very uncomfortable thinking everyone's going to think there's something wrong with us. And the reality is they may notice a millisecond, but they're really not. (laughs) Yeah. I even had, I tried, you can try some social experiments, which are fun. Like my kid's birthday, I didn't eat cake at, and their friends were there and nobody noticed I didn't eat cake. It wasn't about me. It was about them. And it just went on. I was like, wow, that was super interesting. And maybe a different day someone would have, but a lot of times people aren't paying attention. What would you suggest to the person who has someone who does notice and does say something? How do you advise people to respond to the mild and the moderate food pushers? Yeah. (laughs) There are some people who are, it's food as love, right? They made this for you. They baked this cake themselves and they brought it and they really want you to have it. And there is a way to accept that love without without eating the cake. You say, I don't want that right now, but could I take a piece on a plate? It's beautiful. Wow, I can smell it. Look how you decorate it. You do all the appreciation of the love and you can even take it with you and you do not have to eat that thing. You can take it with you. You can throw it away. People have parents that will do this. All these things that they want to give them because it's love, but it's, but it is really food pushing and they just take it and they have accepted that love. And it has nothing to do with whether you put it in your mouth or not. Um, Other people, if there are other people who are just bullies or they're eating it, so they want you to eat it. So they don't feel bad about eating it. And those, you just come up with a very short answer no, thank you. And you keep walking. No, thank you. Change the subject and ask them a question. Those people, you have to shut it down quickly. Do not justify, do not give a long story about how you're eating healthy because they're going to pull you into a debate, but really quickly shut those down. 
I'm chuckling to myself because two people come to mind and it's the mother and father on Elf. Do you remember like when he offers them the, the plate of spaghetti that's completely ridiculous? Mom <laughs> takes mine, she's like, oh, this is good. And, and he's like, thanks, and he walks out the door. Um, I mean, <laughs> talk about like, immediate comparison of two people exactly as you described. Yes, yes. And allow that you cannot eat the thing and still be a nice person. Yeah. That That's a hard thing for some people. I am still a nice person and I'm not going to eat that thing. Yes. So let's go to a different scenario of on the wards. I know like I will go and quote round onto someone on the sixth floor, i.e. try to see what they have up there. And it's everywhere too. So what do you tell about yeah. the person who is like trying to seek out this sugar as almost like an addiction type thing? And it's usually at work when you're stressed, things like that. How do you help someone who has almost those compulsive kind of natures? Sure. Sugar is a tough one. And I, I actually do recommend that people take a break from sugar for a whole week every now and again, just to withdraw from it, because that does help to do that periodically. But thinking about a different active de-stress can be helpful. Do on the wards, can you, is there some place that you can walk? Can you go outside? And I saw a hospitalist who posted this on Facebook of her standing out on the grass. And I thought, oh my gosh, is she allowed to go outside? She's the we hospital leave. doctor right now. Yeah, something like that where that just takes you out of it, but is an active thing where you're doing something different. But at home, we have things like, can, do you have a blanket that you can just wrap up with it? You're like, this is my comfort blanket or this is my comfort sweater or something that you can put on that feels like a hug to you that can be like, this is what I, I'm doing this instead. And you will sitting in it, feel that comfort, but sometimes you have to really actively do something different. Yeah. I, I would like how it relates to the person who's trying to give you food. Everyone really just wants to feel something. And it sounds like what you're offering is that you can feel what you want in a different way that doesn't necessarily cause you harm. And yeah. some of these foods that we're seeking for comfort or de-stressing is actually not doing this in the long run. Yeah, because you won't feel better. You'll have a big sugar, you'll have a, a blood sugar spike and then a crash. And then you're fighting against that fatigue. You'll get more brain fog when you're trying to work. So it doesn't really make you feel better. You just get that quick dopamine hit, like you said, from the sugar. Yeah. And that is not very different than what we talk to our patients about too. So I do think that the work that we do to understand why we have difficult time quitting things makes us a, a lot more compassionate physician. So when I tell someone to quit smoking, because smoking doesn't have any effect on me at all. I think of like smoking as like no way versus someone else who feels about cigarettes, how I feel about candy. Like that yeah. always feels like it has control over me. Like I can't say no, all these things. And for, so for me, it changed the way that I counsel someone who's doing something that they already know that they shouldn't do and feel terrible about. They're already feeling like this sense of shame. So it, it really changed how I counsel them and first telling them, predicting them of that, you're going to feel like you can't do it. Here are some strategies that are not shame filled. You shouldn't do this that we typically do. And telling them some of the things that we've already talked about, how the dopamine reward, finding these feelings and other things, distracting to where that urgency goes away, things like that. So you can even do little exercises. If you've got, if you're at work and this is a really a difficult thing for you, you can put something in one pocket, coins, safety pins, beads. And then when you think, oh, I want to go get that, that ICU candy or whatever it is, 
and and then you think well, I'm not doing it right now and put one of these things in your other pocket because uh, that will give you a little dopamine hit not quite as much as the cookie yeah. but you can look at that at the end of the day look at wow seven times I I did not do that urge I did not follow that urge and it really will make you your it tricks your brain your brain loves that those little exercises oh and technology does wonders for that too like a lot of these apps I know a long time ago Audible has these I guess awards you can get. Ah. <laughs> I was like, they mean nothing, but I wanted it so bad. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and a lot of these tracking apps are onto that too. I know Noom is one that, that I've seen and I've used it a couple of times mm-hmm. and they're like, good job. And, and I don't know when you're in the mood, you're like, wow, that really makes a big difference. I'm doing a good job. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love how like you really tap into our own, our own motivation, our own creativity in this. And so what are some of the other tips that you offer someone who really feels like I just can't do it? Sure. Give yourself some grace and allow that it's going to, that it might be hard. People are, there are people who are at midlife just wondering, what do I do about this number on the scale? And just notice that there's food everywhere and step back and say, wow, there is food everywhere. It's like a dystopia, honestly the amount of food and, and junk and processings that is everywhere. And, and think about how actually my body would do really well if I ate three meals and didn't do all this other stuff and really pay attention to those three meals. Sometimes the mindful meal gets a little too woo and overdone, but actually, but to say, wow, I'm going to sit down and have a really nice lunch. Or I know that my mother-in-law is cooking dinner and I'm going to go home and sit down and have a meal that someone made for me later. And that can get you through the afternoon, just looking at the next nourishing food event that you're going to have as well. (laughs) I found something that was really useful for me um, the other day was like, it's just really great how good real food tastes because we spend a lot of time thinking like, oh, I can't have the treat that tastes amazing. That's why it's hard because it does taste great. But every now and then I'll have something like even just like a bowl of raw vegetables with a dip. And I was like, this actually tastes great. I just totally forgot because it doesn't taste (laughs) quite as great as that. But like this life is also not suffering, ironically. (laughs) Even though I told myself I was signing up for suffering. (laughs) Yeah. And when we nibble all day, we actually downregulate our our taste buds. And if you've ever gone on a hike and had a sandwich in a bag, it's a crummy mushed peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But when you've been walking for hours and then you pull it out, you're like, this is the best sandwich I've ever had. And my clients will tell me I ate lunch, a really good, decent lunch. And then I didn't eat till dinner and dinner tasted so good because I was hungry. Mm-hmm. They weren't over starving or anything, but they, by not doing the nibble all day thing, that chicken and vegetables was amazing. Completely agree. And it's, it is so easy to eat every day when things are around all the time. But when you say that up and really focus on purpose and the idea of meals and nourishment and what it actually does offer you, those periods of time do turn into a lot more appreciation than just the simple things of getting by. Yeah. And that's good to notice the good stuff, right? Stop and notice the good stuff. 
Oh, I saw this. I forgot exactly where this was too, where someone was talking about every now and then we feel like it's once in a lifetime, it's once a year, all these things. And yeah. Once a year, I could go to Kroger anytime and buy this. So right. <laughs> maybe it's not as special as I'm telling myself it is. Yes. And I had one client who everything was special and she went to a lot of places where there were special things, but I was like, okay, you've gone to this famous restaurant. And then she went to a tasting menu, the next meal, the next day at another restaurant and she's but that was also special. And I thought you're choosing so many specials that are they really special? Yeah. Um, and I like what you said that a lot of things we say are special are, are available anytime. So it's fine. And even just the idea of kicking it down the road, like I could always have it tomorrow. This was, I actually heard it related to alcoholism to where they said the successful alcoholic would say, I'm going to drink tomorrow. And everyone's oh. And he's, oh no, he says that every day, right. <laughs> which is essentially, I'm not going to drink today, but I'll let myself tomorrow if I really want to. Yeah. And he basically gotta, kicked that down the road every day. And I got to tell you, honestly, I did that at the end of the holidays this year. I had lots of family in who brought in lots of treats and sugar is my downfall. And when they were gone and I had thrown a lot of that stuff away, I, I did that. I said, I'm not going to have sugar today. And I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because I might, I think I'm just going to have it tomorrow, but I'm not having it today. Yeah. And that just really got me through the day. I'm like one day I can do one day. That doesn't sound hard. Yeah. And even just waking up in the morning, I was like, I didn't have any yesterday and I didn't die. Just like you said, (laughs) still a good day. I know that there is a lot more to all this, especially those going through menopause and some of these other challenges. I was already looking through your podcast and I listened to a couple episodes, you have such great information for the people who are struggling with this and so many different avenues there and directions that it's gone into. So where do they find you? Sure. They can find me on the Vibrant MD podcast, which you can find on all the channels, but you can also come to my website, vibrant-md.com. We have a free video course about weight loss at midlife for people who are interested And it's a good place where also I'm happy to talk to people there and you can connect with me on the website to make an appointment and we can talk about it. Yes. And as a coach myself, and I know you're a coach as well, some of this is really deep mind work and it doesn't have to, not to make it sound hard or anything like that. Really the process of getting to know yourself, to tell yourself it's actually time now to not have this take a hold of me. It is possible it's doable. And with the help of someone who does this regularly, it's a really powerful possibility to, especially this time of year when everyone's thinking like, how do I stop these habits that seem to have a hold of me? I I will use this art, this one date as an artificial thing for this, but I know that you're in it for the long haul and help people really get down to the, the deep habits of how do we overcome this? So we can have the life that we want. I will have the link to your podcast and your website on the show notes. And I hope everyone um, seeks you out. Dr. Heather Awad, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast and sharing a really important topic with us. Thanks so much for having me.